the way the New Orleans Pelicans do and don't use Jonas Valanciunas gives you a glimpse into the future of how they envision this team. I'll explain in today's episode of Lockdown Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with you on this Mardi Gras day, I hope you're celebrating at least a little bit wherever you are, whether you're local or not. It's a real fun day, pre-recorded this show to make sure you head something on this day if you're stuck inside for whatever reason. So try and get a little bit of Mardi Gras celebration going on. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, not even taking Mardi Gras day off, clearly, as you're listening to the show right now. No one else coming to you like this. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel, official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And today we are going to be talking about Jonas Valanciunas. And this comes from a listener question, which I'll get into in a second. We're going to look kind of how he's used, what's going on there, and why kind of uh, seemingly a change. And what's it mean for the team going forward? Because I don't think Jonas Valanciunas is in the plan for the future for the Pelicans, and I'll explain why in all of this. So as this week, we have some time off. The Pelicans don't play till Thursday. You're getting a show. This show is the Tuesday show. There'll be a Wednesday and a Thursday show before we get a game, which means if you've got a question you want answered, it might get turned into a whole show. It might just be a segment. Let me know on Twitter at Nola Jake. And this one comes from Will Dunn. It's at Real Will Dunn, D-U-N-N. And his question is, what's the disconnect between the coaching staff and Jonas Valanciunas. They seem very intent on de-emphasizing his role, which makes no sense given his talent and productivity, especially on the boards. Is he likely on his way out after the season? This is a great question because Jonas Valanciunas, something seems off, doesn't it, this year? That either it's the coaching staff not really using him properly, not making him part of the game plan, or is it his play? Let's break it all down. So I like this question a lot for that. So I wanted to start with kind of Jonas Valanciunas as a player. We, we know what he's good at. This is a guy that for his career is a guy that can give you 20 points on average if you really needed him to alongside double-digit rebounds. He's a walking double-double. Last season for New Orleans, let me pull up his numbers here, he averaged 18 points per game and 11.4 rebounds on and 2.6 assists. Those are great numbers. Those are great numbers tremendous numbers. For three seasons when he was in Memphis, 16.4 points per game and almost 12 boards. This is a guy who eats on the glass and can just get you efficient buckets down low. He shoots incredibly well and very efficient from the field. Being a big, tall center, they can go and just score down low. He's useful in the pick and roll as well, though they don't use him a ton with that this year, and just gives you what you need. He's reliable. He's won them a game earlier on in the season, 
against the Charlotte Hornets. He played incredibly well in a comeback attempt that fell short against the Milwaukee Bucks, where he had 37 points. He's been shooting the three ball better than he really ever has before, it seems like. You know, the past couple of seasons, he's an above 34% shooter from three. In New Orleans, he's been shooting 53.3% for his career, uh, for his career the two seasons so far. It's a really useful player, it feels like. But something seems off. I also do think he's an underrated defender for what he is. I don't think he's good, but I don't think he's as bad as people want to make him out to be. He's more of a rim deterrent than a rim protector. It's just a big body that you don't necessarily want to have to go down low and play into. And just having a huge kind of bulking, bruising center like that stops teams from potentially doing it. It's different than Rudy Gobert, who is blocking things while kind of playing a similar role defensively. He's not on that level whatsoever, but he's still a, a, you know, a useful defender, I think. And when you looked at him last year, Jonas Valanciunas with this team, they were significantly better with him on the court than off the court. He had one of the better point differentials on the team. Their offense was better when he was on the court last year. Their defense was better when he was on the court last year by a good bit. So that net rating between the two is significant. He was great for this Pelicans team last year. And as I've said repeatedly, something seems off. They're not using him as much, it seems like. You know, you've noticed that his role is, in fact, de-emphasized. And the Pelicans just released their next, their latest episode of The Squad. They actually talk to and about Jonas Valanciunas. And one of the things he said is he wants to win, so he's willing to play his role, whatever it is. One of the really great things about him is... He's not going to complain. He just likes playing basketball, wants to win games. So if you tell him what to do and it's going to help him win, he's going to do that, even if it means his, he's not getting the ball as much. If his role's a little bit different or a little bit changed or he's playing fewer minutes, which is also happening this year, he's just willing to go and do it. And he also tries to play as many games as possible. He's only missed one game for the Pelicans this year. He's played in 58 games. He played in 74 last season. This is a guy that wants to be out there playing on a team that deals with a lot of injuries. That's a pretty strong quality to have, I think. But when you start to think about it and you're like, something seems off, the numbers don't totally say that, to be perfectly honest. His usage rate is basically the exact same as last year. His per 36-minute numbers, and he doesn't play 36 minutes, but it's a way to equalize things, 21.1 points per game last season, 21 points per game this season. 13.5 rebounds last year, 14.2 this year. The numbers are very, very similar. 15.1 field goal attempts per game per 36 minutes, 15.3. They're the exact same numbers as last year. The difference is in why some of these numbers seem lower, feel lower, is they're playing him less. He played 30.3 minutes per game on average last year. He's playing 24.7 this year. That 30-minute mark is kind of his max. And one of the reasons why I think they are playing him less, one, you have a healthy Larry Nance Jr., which you didn't have before. And Larry Nance Jr. is really going to factor in the discussion about Jonas in the next segment when we kind of look at like what's going on, because there is actually a lot once you get into it. And his, so his minutes have gone down because of that. They also, I think, are trying to keep him a little bit fresher. You could see him breaking down at the end of last season as he played more minutes last year than he had in the seven previous years. Plus service to him, entry passes, just have not been good for New Orleans. They finally got a lob thrower in Josh Richardson, but they didn't have anyone before, which limits him a little bit. And he's not like a lob threat in the first place, but getting him the ball for post-ups and things has been a bit 
of an issue. But there is more to it than that. There really is. And when you get into some of the numbers, you can start to see why the coaching staff is getting away from him. Let's look at those coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel. It's the midway point of the NBA season, and now it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. It's laid out wonderfully, and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. And FanDuel even lets you combine your bet for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. I love these. The Pelicans to win and Brandon Ingram to have more than 25 points. And when that happens, you get paid even more. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to, uh, to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all like no one else is, even on Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras Day here, talking about this team and looking at the future of the team and looking at them this season as we're doing in both in, in both ways in today's show. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend about the show as well. So today we are talking about Jonas Valanciunas and how the Pelicans use him. And while the numbers are the same, his usage rate is basically exactly the same too. So you kind of look at that and you're like, oh no, it's just all the same things. And he's just playing fewer minutes, but it's really not watching it. You know that that isn't the case. So what's going on? And to Will's question, it does seem like there's a bit of a de-emphasis when it comes to Jonas Valanciunas. They have him out there playing, you know, 25 minutes per game and then not making him the focal point when very obviously at times they should or feels like they should not taking advantage of that. Part of it is some of his shooting numbers are kind of a little bit down across the board. And when you look at the team with him on the court versus off, it's it's like the exact opposite of what it was last season. While they were significantly better with him on the court, both offensively and defensively, this year that's not the case. They are much worse with him on the court than off the court. So part of that is his kind of like Iron Man streak in him and playing all the games. With Brandon Ingram not being out there, Zion Williamson not being out there, even CJ missing a number of games. Jonas is out there. So during the 10-game losing streak when things weren't going well for New Orleans, his stats and those on-off numbers get massively impacted by that, whereas it won't impact Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson because they weren't on the court. If anything, it'll make them look a little bit better, right? So he these numbers don't tell the true story of what it is, and you need to get into things a little bit deeper with that. And that's where you start to kind of see the picture of, I think, what's going on. And Larry Nance Jr. does have a lot to do with this, not in like he's necessarily like, I don't know, competing with the Jonas Valanciunas for a similar role, because I don't know if they are. I think when you look at this, it's really kind of about maximizing some of the other players on this roster. And does Jonas Valanciunas do that? And I'm not entirely sure. One of the things that I'm looking at with this is that the team shoots worse from an E field goal percentage with factors in threes with him on the court than off. And when you start to look at some of the film, you know, it makes you wonder a little bit, a little bit about the pairing between him and Zion Williamson. 
Zion's not shooting as well when he's on the court with Valanciunas as he is with Larry Nance Jr. on the court. And when you look at the same statistic between Jonas Valanciunas and Larry Nance Jr., well, the team shoots 2% worse from the field, e-field goal percentage with Jonas on the court. With Larry on the court, they shoot 3.1% better. So that's a difference of what 5.1% is what they're doing with him on the court. The spacing's just a little bit better. It's not as hard to get to the rim, even if it's just slightly. And I think you're starting to kind of see that. Larry is also doing an unbelievable job on the offensive glass, a little bit better than Jonas Valanciunas is. And that's one of the areas that I was really kind of curious to see. Does the rebounding suffer? And does that really significantly change with Larry Nance Jr. out there on the court? And it does in terms of offensive rebounds, but defensive boards are about the same. They're a little bit better with Jonas Valanciunas out there, but they're not significantly better with Jonas Valanciunas out there. So when you start to kind of look into this, okay, it makes sense they really want to go with a guy like Larry Nance Jr. more. The offense just isn't clicking as well with Jonas Valanciunas out there. I think mainly due from a spacing perspective with guys like Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and CJ McCollum. It's also not helpful that the offense has not looked amazing. I don't think it's as dire as some people scream at me about with it because they do have very good offensive games. But over the that Lakers game leaves a bad taste in our mouth. Even the one against the Thunder wasn't ideal where Brandon Ingram was just hitting really tough shots to win them that game. You know, I, part of it is the offensive design is not doing him any favors. There were a couple possessions in that Lakers game where he had the ball around the free throw line and like no one moved. There was just no ability for him to pass the ball to anyone. No one did anything. And so he just launches a shot. Because what else is he supposed to do there? And that obviously doesn't do him any favors or anything like that. And the Pelicans need to get better about that with him and designing a little bit more of a fluid offense around him and others. And I think it kind of fixes some of those things. And then if you don't have someone that can get him the ball in the low post, he's relying on a three-point shot. And that can work. It did against the Milwaukee Bucks in that home game. But when you look at where he had 37 points, he made seven threes, I think. But look at the next game they played in Milwaukee. No Brandon Ingram, no Zion Williamson in that one. Brandon Ingram was given the day off for rest. You know, he had 16 points, something like that, on a real inefficient shooting night because they more or less game-planned him out. And that's something that you can do. They didn't give him any easy looks. And if the three-point shot isn't going to go drop seven times for him, while he's an okay enough three-point shooter... He's not a court spacer, and it's not a guy that's like, okay, cool, he can't get down low, so he'll just make five threes in this game. So it becomes a little bit easier to scheme him out for everything. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing the Pelicans not go to him as much. If teams know that you're going to do that, they're going to make life very difficult for him, and it's going to lead to more ineffective offense. Now, with that, you'd then like them to have you know a better backup plan than what seems like no backup plan. But that's a discussion for another day. And I think that's one of the reasons why you've seen the coaching staff just kind of like fall out of love, I guess, a little bit with Valanchunas, even if some of the numbers are kind of the same with him. There are also 
defensive issues. This is a guy that needs to exclusively play in drop coverage. You can't put him out on the perimeter and switch one through five, which the Pelicans like to do with Larry Nance Jr. and feel comfortable with with Larry Nance Jr. out there. You see Valanciunas get torched on the perimeter, beaten by, and it puts the Pelicans into rotation defense where they're not particularly great at those sorts of things. You know, you have to play him in drop where in a pick and roll, he's just kind of sagging back, trying to contain the drive and the roll man, you know, a little bit at the same time. And that's not really a great opportunity for it. You're given space in the mid range. You can then let guys take open threes or kind of create some other mismatches that way, too. That's not an ideal situation and not what the Pelicans want to always be doing. And so that's one of the reasons, too, I think those somewhat defensive limitations, even though I think he's not a miserable defender. That's just not kind of the scheme that the Pelicans really want to run all the time, particularly the closed games. They like switching like that. That's one of the biggest issues with it. So what's all of this mean going forward? If, you know, the shooting's better with Nance on the court, there's defensive issues there, and you can game plan him out. Let's look at that coming up next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, even on Mardi Gras Day. And there's going to be a show tomorrow, too. I'm just going to record it right after this one. So we're going to have you covered all week long, not missing a show even when Mardi Gras is going on. And if I see if you see me out on the route, say hi. I was talking to all sorts of people at Endymion about the Pelicans and seeing all the jerseys everywhere and everything. It was so much fun to see the passion and to hear from all of y'all. So appreciate everyone coming over to say hi. But we're here. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend about the show as well. And if you want to support the channel, best thing you can do, leave a comment down below. And if you have questions that you want featured on Locked on Pelicans, potentially, at Nola Jake on Twitter, send them over my way. Turn them into shows this week as we get back to on-court activities after the All-Star break. Today, we're talking about Jonas Valanciunas. And what's it mean going forward for Jonas Valanciunas? I don't think there's necessarily much of a future here. I don't think the Pelicans are going to be like, oh, we've got to get rid of this guy because he is a useful player. He's still having a pretty good year, all things considered, even with a de-emphasized role, even if they're not using him like they could. 14.4 points per game, 10 rebounds isn't anything to sniff at. The problem is his contract and how expensive this team is getting. And I've talked a lot about this. I was the only person in the lead up to the trade deadline really talking about the salary cap situation, the luxury tax concerns, which factored into the trade with Josh Richardson, big time. That still looms large. There, by my projections, before you add in a draft pick, EJ Liddell, and any sort of money spent in free agency, around $6 million under the luxury tax. If you're going to have a center that you don't close with, that the coaching staff doesn't truly kind of want to build the offense around, whether that's good or bad, can you pay that guy $15.435 million next year? I don't think so. Not when you're you're kind of dealing with cap issues and things like that. So I would not be shocked if New Orleans does try and move him, knowing that the coaching staff doesn't want to close with him, does the coaching staff truly trust him or, or value him? And I think the answer to that is, you know, I don't want to say they don't value him. That's that's an incorrect statement. I'm sure they do. But if he's not going to be kind of used like a $15.5 million player, and should he be with Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum out there, 
You know, I think that maybe you need to look for cheaper options when it comes to your big man rotation in your starting center spot. And I don't think Larry should necessarily be starting in that regard. I think his role is kind of perfect for him and he's been great this year. But can you get a cheaper center option that's still going to do a lot of this for you for a third of the price? And I think the answer to that is actually yes. So I would not be shocked if the Pelicans look to move on from Jonas Valanciunas after this season in an effort to reduce salary a little bit, but also just find a guy that maybe kind of fits a little bit more with everything that they're doing, which would is the fourth option, fifth option at times. And it's a guy like Mason Plumley, someone I actually really wanted the Pelicans to go after at this trade deadline, especially if you were going to move Valanciunas at it, which they weren't going to do. But he's going to be a free agent. Can you get him for $5 million a year and play him 20 minutes per game? You know, like three, eight-minute stints, something like that, maybe less than that, knowing that you start him at the first half, start him in the second half, and then you don't need to close with him. He's a guy, you know, similar to Billy, right, but better defensively, that can give you points and rebounds, and it's just kind of that easy. And you don't need him to do much more than that, you know. A little bit of court spacing would be nice, but a guy that just doesn't really get in the way and that if you leave him open, it's going to burn you. But at you know a third of the price of what Jonas Valanciunas is doing. If you move Jonas, call it a pure salary dump, bring in Plumlee or whatever center, it's say $5 million a year, that's saving you another $10 million. So now all of a sudden you're $16 million under the luxury tax. That's enough for a first round pick. That's enough for EJ Liddell. That's enough to use your full... Um, mid-level exception, whether it's the taxpayer version or the non-taxpayer version of the mid-level exception. You have money to spend in free agency that way to kind of bolster your team a little bit with some of the roster spots that you're going to have, which they didn't have this past offseason, hence why they didn't spend any money really in free agency whatsoever. So I think that's the direction they're probably going to go. You know, it's, it's I wouldn't call it doing dirty by Jonas Valanciunas. He's getting paid. You know, we like him here. But when... Your guys are Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, CJ, and clearly Larry Nance Jr. is someone the coaching staff really likes to close with and has done a very good job in all of that. I think that's the way to go. You know, if there were deeper rebounding issues with Larry on the court, I might be concerned, but I don't think there are. The Pelicans have still been a good defensive rebounding team all season long, despite a lot of people want to kind of proclaim that that's a big issue, and I don't think it is. And when you go with some of those kind of small ball death lineups, right, that the, the Warriors kind of popularized, those teams don't didn't rebound well. The Warriors' death lineup was not a good rebounding te- roster team lineup at all, and they were fine. They were fine because they had it in offense, and the switchability allowed them to still get stops, to force steals, to get some misses, and still be able to get enough of them to make you pay. And I think that's what New Orleans wants to emulate just a little bit with that kind of switch one through five, see if you can force a turnover and then get out and run with that smaller group with everyone, all five guys, motoring on down the court. And so for those reasons, I think they're probably going to look to move on from Valanciunas after this season. You know, if they don't get the right deal, I think they can keep him and be cool with it. He's a good player. You know, and again, there's something to be said for a guy that, you know, right now is on track to play 81 games on this team. But there's so many reasons, and the numbers also back a lot of it up, that you can really do a lot of what you're looking to do with Larry Nance Jr. or a cheaper option. Let me know what you think in the comments down below. Is this a good idea? Do you think they're going to keep him? Do you think they should get rid of him? What are your thoughts on kind of the Jonas Valanciunas situation offensively and defensively? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. 
And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. Enjoy your Mardi Gras, depending on when you're listening to this. I know I will be. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And yeah, we're going to have another show tomorrow with your questions.